Good Chip. afternoon. Good afternoon. Chilly, chilly evening. Chilly huh? afternoon, yes. Chilly December 29th? No, 28th. December 28th. Last week of 2019, 2019, we're heading into the 20s. This is for people that might be viewing us 100 years from now? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Never, yeah. never know. <laughs> our digital footprint uh, may <coughs> last quite some time, like a dinosaur print in, in the mud. Al the primordial mud. Have aliens ever come to this planet? You know, um, I think they're here. This could be a, a digital imprint of... <laughs> yes. We're going to leave an impression of our of our civilization of right now. Right, we're representatives of our species. Is that Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So I think I think I think you <coughs> are you are an ideal representative of our species. Oh, don't you think so? I mean, okay. <laughs> So, how long, how long have we known each other, Chip? <coughs> we have known each other since I was about 26 or 27 years old, which was about 32 years ago. Yeah? Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. And yeah. how did we... How were we introduced? Uh, well, uh, for me, uh, my memory is, uh, well, it's kind of a longer story, but I had this dream <coughs> and I dreamed that I was in the Himalayas and uh, I saw buildings with a certain kind of architecture and it was a very moving dream. And that's just one thing, right? Uh, but a few days after I had that dream, I, I went to a bookstore called the Bodhi Tree. <laughs> and I was looking around <coughs> the Bodhi Tree and I saw a book. Uh, and the title of the book was Buddha in the Palm of Your Hand, right? right. Uh -huh. And something about the cover design reminded me of the dream of being in the Himalayas. The, 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 the cover design was reminiscent of the lines and the architecture of the buildings I saw in that dream. So I read that book. I read the book and uh, I was pretty moved by it. And I noticed in the back that there was, um, there were the addresses of Shambhala centers in different parts of the country and there was one in Los Angeles. And I called the Shambhala Center and they said, why don't you come down on, let's say, Wednesday night <coughs> having a, a meeting. Mm. Uh, and I went and I met uh, a gentleman by the name of Herb Elsky, <laughs> right? And um, he was, uh, I walked into the uh, little office where he was and he was adjusting his tie because he was getting ready to go out and give a talk. Uh -huh. And he said, I really don't have a lot of time right now. Mm -hmm. And he engaged me and he said, tell you what, why don't you come in and listen to the talk? And then afterwards he invited me over to his home, not that evening, but uh -huh. to come by and, you know, talk some more. I met Herb and his 
life, and then uh, you were part of their world. And I, uh, did we meet at a kimono party? Is you Some have these I can't kimono remember. Parties. I yeah, I know those kimono <laughs> parties were. <laughs> And I had the best oh. kimonos. I, I, I would go to Little Tokyo and, uh. and uh, like find these <coughs> vintage kimonos, these used kimonos. Oh. And beautiful. I wish I had them still. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well, I can't remember exactly how we met, but it must have been. It had to be through them, right? right? Through yeah. yeah. No. It oh, unless we met at the Shambhala Center, <sighs> Dharma Datu. I, I can't remember, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was through her Belsky yeah, somehow, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and thirty years later, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Thirty-five years later. Herbs in France. And <laughs> we're in Downey. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> we we need to share this video with him, by the way. Yeah, we yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I just spoke to him a couple of days ago. I think we yeah. should. All right. Send him this video. Uh, that's it, if. <laughs> If we happen to, maybe we look at it a second time. Yeah, or yeah, we look yeah. at it and we'll say, no, that's, uh, that's trash, this, sir. It is what it is. It is what it is. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. So, um, did you ever stick around like the Shambhala Center? What well, were they called? No, it was called Vajradhatu at that point, right? No, it was Dharmadhatu. Dharma, oh, yeah, Dharmadhatu. Dharmadhatu. Dharma and I, I did... I did a cup. I did a Shambhala training, uh -huh. maybe one and two. Okay. And then I think the, I I may not pronounce it correctly, but Dathong, Dath Dathong, yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. I did maybe two of those oh. a weekend, a week, a full weekend oh. of sitting. Oh, okay. Maybe we it was several. Oh, just several weekends. Days. Um, so Dathong is a month long. A month long sitting. Okay, so. Like a weekend of sitting, yeah, at least. Yeah, um, so these were, yeah, back then the maybe that was a dip, a dip thong, <laughs> 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 just a dip. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I anyway, I, so I, I participated in yeah. some of those, uh -huh. and I feel that uh, I didn't I didn't stay in in that community. Uh, the friendship with, with Herb was a, a great friendship, and I really enjoyed his company mm -hmm. and talking with him, and I learned a lot from him. We, <coughs> we had a nice companionship for a number of years. Uh, but <coughs> eventually, I was, uh, I was more at home in a yogic environment. Uh, I, met, I met a guru whose presence really uh, resonated with me and, and I felt that I was benefiting most from being in her company mm -hmm. and, and engaging the teachings of that lineage. And, and so that, that's where I found my spiritual home. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like a rejection of something else. It just, it just sort of fit. <coughs> and uh, I felt myself at home, <coughs> and I, I do feel I do feel that uh, the Shambhala practice and reading Chagyam Trungpa's books sort of tilled the soil 
helped break ground preparing me for, uh, for a meditative life. Uh, I sort of learned things that um, I would not have learned from my Western culture, from the upbringing I had. Um, Any books in particular that come to mind? Well, yes. And at this, at this time in life, 30-something years later, I, I, I don't recall specifically what I read in each book, mm -hmm. but these, these three books were uh, very important to me at the mm -hmm. time. One of them I've already said, which was Buddha in the palm of your hand, yeah. cutting through spiritual materialism mm -hmm. and the myth of freedom. Yeah. Although Buddha uh, on the palm of your hand was, was by Osho Tenzin, yes. yes. Uh, <coughs> cutting through spiritual materialism, it's a classic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And earlier we were talking about um, spiritual materialism. Yes, we were. Yeah, yeah. And, and the importance of how um, impact in those teachings mm -hmm. have been um, really for um, Western Buddhism, right? The impact of right. Chogun Pinpa Rinpoche having um, shared those teachings early on with his students, right? Yes. Um, so you did a couple of Shambhala training weekends. Mm -hmm. um, you left you didn't really leave the community, but you, you found another community. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you saw a little bit of one of the videos that Chris and I recorded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was sharing with you uh, our approach to um, these videos. And I think three of those videos were spent uh, talking about um, Basic goodness, mm. right? Which mm -hmm. is something you've, I'm sure you've heard about, yes. right? It's yes. So central to Shambhala training. Absolutely. Yes. <coughs> um, any any thoughts on basic goodness that you might recall? It's been a long time. It's um, only been thirty <laughs> years. <laughs> so. <laughs> so if you just look at the present moment. If you, if you let go of notions about uh, how things are supposed to be, how you would prefer to feel, uh, maybe your social status, which you think should be something different, if you, if you just sit with the awareness of your breath, the sound of the plane passing in the sky, the clear, pristine sky, the clarity of the trees there, the people the crisp, clear voice in the background. Everything is fine. Everything is basically good. There's no friction. You just sit with your breath and notice. There's no problem. My beingness is good. My awareness 
this present moment is complete. That's what I understand. That's what I remember from, and I don't really remember, frankly. But that's that's my takeaway. That at one's core, there's just the basic goodness of what this is. Hmm. That's, that's pretty very good. Okay. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I've, given that <coughs> this is not something that's part of your lingual yeah. that you. Right. Right. Um, yes. Right. Talk about people like me every day. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a thirty-year revisiting of yes. yeah. oh, basic goodness. What is that? What is that about? Yeah, you, you really <laughs> right. pulled that out of the, uh, yeah. rabbit, the out of the hat. Uh, so, all right. So, so what? W how about when things just don't feel that good as you described them? Well, when we dis feel disconnected and um, lost, and um, it hurts, you know. Um, well, the hurt, the hurt is <coughs> in the balance, in the balance of life. You know, you have in this world, in this manifestation, you you have these pairs of opposites. Uh, you have day and you have night. You have up and you have down. You have uh, high tide and low tide. And you have happiness and you have suffering. You have good times and difficult times. And there's an ebb and flow that is always taking place. One has to... One has to find one's ground at the center of those pairs of opposites. That is where one, one, one's stance is at the center, the midpoint, between the pairs of opposites, the up and the down. And if you're able to witness without attachment, it takes some of the sting out of the suffering. That, that you have to understand that this, this too shall pass because everything is always in constant change, constant flux. And the good times are followed by, followed by bad times, you know, not, not in quick succession, but good is followed by bad, up is followed by down, and that is the flow of life. If you consider that your, your mind, your awareness is an open sky, and situations, circumstances are clouds that come and go. We have a choice to remember that we are an open sky, or we can attach our attention to the passing clouds and, and attach meaning and significance and, and get, uh, get caught up in the storm that may be just passing through. And with a bit of, with a bit, with a bit of distance, a bit of uh, witnessing, what, what I would call witness consciousness, 
it doesn't mean that you don't suffer, but you're not attached to this as a reality. It's, it's a passing show, uh, something, something that uh, you notice, you live through, you allow to pass, and it does pass. So that's the non-attachment that... Yeah. Um. <coughs> I mean, there, you know, so, so, so you can attach... A situation arises which potentially brings suffering, unhappiness, uh, heartbreak. So what's the connection between the suffering and the attachment part? An expectation. You, you have, uh, <coughs> you're attached to things being a certain way. A person, a person who you, being with a particular person brings about a sense of uh, connection, a sense of, uh, of, of togetherness, of, of being loved and having, having someone to love, let's say. And when that person's attention is uh, taken away, they, they, they go away, they are drawn away by another person, whatever, they die, it may be. You have your attachment to the source, what you believe is a source of happiness in that other person is, is um, no longer there. And that your attachment to them or to, to a coffee mug that broke, whatever it is, brings about some kind of loss and a sense of a sense of um, loss of suffering you know uh, um, so in these um, videos that I shared with you mm -hmm. you, have, you haven't seen them you've just saw like a couple minutes ago and, mm -hmm. um, one of the topics that has have been discussed mm -hmm. uh, is this basic goodness mm -hmm. um, and how this basic goodness that we're not talking about is something that um, uh, can't be possessed by us mm -hmm. it's something that um, um, can be experienced mm -hmm. it seems as and you um, uh, you very nicely you know talked about that right now um, but it, it this quote that Chris and I were, were just examining and, and contemplating um, centered around basic goodness and how it's, it's not something that we can possess but nonetheless we we are mm -hmm. essentially um, any, any thoughts on, on that well it's it's um on the um, inability of possess something that is so fundamental yet is so um, uh, central to our well-being uh, that um, um. well, the the notion you, you we we are conditioned to acquire. There's there's this idea that you know people think that they're going to take a workshop and acquire enlightenment. They're going to 
they're going to do a practice and become enlightened and and <clears throat> so that that basic goodness enlightenment is not something that you attain it it is you've used the term relax relaxing into there there is there is a there is a sort of primordial what I'll call pristine awareness that is so fundamental and basic to ourselves that we don't even notice it because our attention, our senses draw attention out into uh, <clears throat> this manifestation we get lost out here and fail to notice from where we're looking that we are the seer and so it's not something it's not getting back to your question you cannot possess what you are but you can relax into your true beingness and be self-possessed like taking like for instance the word swami means uh, someone who has is, is self-possessed so to speak they have um, settled into their, the self so to speak um, do I do I have consciousness is consciousness something that I have acquired and that I can hold on to or is it is it like wetness to water is it is it just what I am you know I don't I don't possess it it is it is what I am so to speak you know <clears throat> okay so um i mean no so so to answer I, maybe maybe that was a convoluted way to answer the question you you cannot possess basic goodness because it is what you are you can't you can't acquire what you are you already are that you are that so if if you had to um talk to somebody that is not as familiar with the term, you know, um, the language of mm -hmm. that we're using, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody was um, in excruciating pain um, because, um, as most huma humanity is, right, uh, mm -hmm. the unnecessary suffering that um, we partake in because we don't know any better, mm -hmm. right? and then you're trying to explain to someone this basic goodness thing right, in the most direct and simple way possible and um, and use the language of attachment and non non attachment how what would you say to such a person 
Well, I think you can't get too philosophical with them. You know, uh, um, I think you know, someone who someone who is undergoing, who's feeling anguish, anxiety, who is suffering from conditions beyond their control. I think it's helpful just to have them pay attention to their breath, you know, to just sit with their breath and to, to breathe into this space, what I'll call the space of the heart. You inhale and there's a there's a brief pause before exhaling and then you, you exhale and there's a brief moment of stillness before inhaling again and by following the breath and just sitting with the breath and noticing the stillness between each inhalation and exhalation that's a door that's 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 a point of stillness and peace and even <coughs> though it's you can call it a grounding it's like a door into a, a an inner peace that you always have access to but you have to you have to access it you have to remember to go there and my feeling is that if a person establishes that practice if they if they're given access to that basic that basic uh, space within themselves where in this moment at this time right now everything's okay that that can create an awareness that you know one's mind is swirling with with worries about this and uh, expectations about that and fear over something that might happen and regret about something that did happen and and you just go back to your breath and sit with your breath and notice the space there's peace there none of that none of that other stuff is happening there there and the more you access that space the greater peace you can feel and I think that that creates that creates room for inquiry into what is what is the root of all this other stuff that's going on why do I let myself get carried away out of this peace into this turmoil you know so in inquiry um, given on the conversations that we've had mm -hmm. Um, that inquiry process seems to be very important in your path. 
Sure, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, why don't you just say something about the importance of how do you engage that inquiry uh, process that's uh, been helpful to you? And we can ma maybe let's let's stick just for for the sake of this conversation, since we've been talking about um, you know um, basic goodness and mm -hmm. um, can't be possessed. It's it's an experience. It's something that um, can't possibly be possessed by us. Mm -hmm. um, there's that non-attachment that goes along with it. That seems to be so important. And uh, and then there's this. This practice that you elo eloquently described mm -hmm. of uh, the simplicity of of uh, connecting with one's breath and what that connects us with a sense of you know I'm I'm okay mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um, and th and then there's this inquiry that you just brought up that um, seems to play a role an important role mm -hmm. how does that role unfold for you uh, there are two fundamental ways. One is through my meditation practice uh, involves the using a mantra with the breath. And the mantra the mantra holds the mind on one thought rather than you know so so many thoughts going on in your head as if your head is a locus of thought but um, you know there there are countless thoughts that arise out of nowhere and pass through your mind right but by holding to a mantra with your breath the mind the mind is sort of contained in this one thought and the mantra is repeated with the breath the outgoing breath the incoming breath and eventually the mantra dissolves and one the mantra dissolves and there's no repeater of the mantra there's no one doing any kind of mantra practice it just it's like a leaf that just falls from the tree and the mind is still ordinarily we identify with uh, if we compare the mind or we compare our consciousness to an ocean many of us most of us perhaps exist on the surface I've got to do the laundry today I oh, can't forget to pick up the kids or this this choppy water of the of mental agitation of, <coughs> of mentation that's always taking place uh, you know we've got a shopping list of things to do and you know we've got the conditioning of our childhood and we've got our fears and our expectations and whatnot that are always in play and when we sit with the mantra and our breath, 
we take all that energy that is, you know, on the choppy surface of the, the let's say, <coughs> the, the ocean of consciousness, and we concentrate it into just focusing on the mantra. And the mantra eventually dissolves, and our attention has sunken down deeper into into the heart of into that that similar that same space between the two breaths, and so that creates. It doesn't create, but it it shows that we have a habit of, of, of hanging out in these kind of discursive thoughts and we identify with those discursive thoughts and we think that's who we are. We think we, think we are our, our thoughts, you know, our, our habitual thoughts, our conditioned thoughts, uh, who we take ourselves to be based on those thoughts and the emotions that those thoughts uh, evoke we have created this sense of identity, like this is who we are in the world, and react, we react to other people and other, other stimuli based on how we conceive ourselves. But when we, when we meditate and recede away from that choppy mentation, we understand that there There's much more than just that. So, so that that understanding then that uh, the so the inquiry part. <coughs> um, how would you um, explain or describe how the role of the inquiry part? Because okay, what you've been so talking about is very experiential, right? It's that is experiential. Well, I was saying there are two two ways, okay. and so that I <coughs> I perhaps got carried away in that that description. So, so by meditating that way, uh, we learn that we are not our thoughts, that, that we have identified ourselves with our thoughts, but that's not who we are. So that opens up the question, well, who am I? Okay, you know, okay. Who am I? Mm -hmm. Okay, so another practice, which is called Atma Vichara, is self-inquiry, that literally means self-inquiry, where you, a thought occurs like, man, I really want some chocolate chip cookies. To whom did that thought occur? You know, just, just a simple thought, I, I, I really want some chocolate chip cookies right now. To whom did that thought occur? It occurred to me. Well, who am I? And if you look for that I, if you look for the self, who is the self? Who is this I to whom that thought occurred? You can't find that person. There, there is no, who is that self? And the more, the more you practice that kind of self-inquiry, asking to whom does this thought occur? When thoughts arise, to whom does that thought occur? Silence is at the other end of that. The more, the more you practice that, the more you, you see that there's no 
particular entity there. The thoughts, thoughts are arising, and there is no thinker, so mm -hmm. to speak. Now, that's sort of a simplified explanation that that's not, perhaps it's easier said than done. It takes practice. <coughs> well, it, it might be a simple explanation of the that inquiry process, but um, it, it does, the way you described it, it does uh, hit at the heart of what it engages, mm -hmm. right? it would, what it brings into question, mm -hmm. which plays a central right. r role in, yeah. uh, together with practice mm -hmm. and study. And, and it takes discipline to, <coughs> you know, the, the, the torrent of thought that we, we experience every day of our lives. I mean, we're just, we're just like, just this flow of thoughts that's always taking place, you know. Mm. And to, to have the presence, <laughs> the presence of mind to stop and ask, who, who, who are these thoughts occurring to? Who is, it, who is it that's experiencing these thoughts? And you say, I, I am experiencing these thoughts. Well, who am I? And you search for the I. And where is, 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 is there such an entity as I? Who? Hmm. So, yeah, so this is uh, very much uh, a, a engaging of our um, analytical mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, th this inquiry process that you're mm -hmm. describing. Um, and then that, that space where you're left at the end of that inquiry that has no response, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because there is no definite satisfactory response to mm -hmm. that, that inquiry process. Uh, well, that's a... Um, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, an interesting place to, to be, yeah. to be left at. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> w would, you, would you say that then the familiarity of, of that place is um, much more at the center of that which cannot be be possessed about yeah. our, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are no conditions there. That, that it's, it's an unconditioned place to be. <laughs> and thereby, you know, be, that's there's a sense of peace. In fact, in, in, the, uh, in the Indian tradition, called Sat Chidananda, Sat Chida, that which is, that which is aware and, and inherent in that beingness, inherent in that awareness is a basic bliss, ananda, which means bliss. Bliss does not necessarily mean, uh, oh, like, it, it, it's, it's just the basic. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. 
every, you know, there's oh. just, there's, it's just peace. Um, when it breaks through, I mean, you know, there are times when one can be sort of overcome with a sense of well-being, uh, which is called bliss. Um, but it sort of settles down into a deep contentment. That that it's like a well that is all, when when with enough self inquiry and 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 tapping into that, it's like digging a well to which there's always access. Perhaps through the breath. Uh, however, whatever your practice is, that basic goodness is recognized as one's foundation, one's foundational self, and there's there's no getting away from it. It is like water and wetness. It is what you are. It's not other than what you are. But it takes practice and discipline to, to recognize it and also to sort of <coughs> be able to access, be, be, to be in it, be it, and not, not in the mind and in attachment. You know what, what is the rewarding um, aspect of um, these these kind of conversations mm. um, is that um, the, the the language that is used, um, and I think we we talked about this a little bit, mm -hmm. um, that the language that that is used, if if the language is um, um, has behind it a, a common view, mm -hmm. a common world view, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, that that most likely then is going to be aligned with with a, a kind of practice that is guided by and instructed by mm -hmm. this um, this understanding mm -hmm. right uh, so that um, you don't end up in a different place it's a map and the road itself a map and the road itself were you full of metaphors? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poet. Well, for someone that just um, got so briefly exposed to Shambhala training and mm -hmm. basic goodness, and it's not as if you've spent, um, you know, years and years and years on this particular path, mm -hmm. um, you, I think you very eloquently uh, spoke about what is, in my opinion, at the heart of um, basic goodness in, in Shambhala training. Mm -hmm. And um, just close to show, um, which is at, at, at the heart of uh, the Shambhala world, you mm -hmm. know, that um, um, this is not you know the territory of one particular tradition. No, that it's no. the 
the common territory mm -hmm. of um, a, a lot of traditions that have uh, this um, journey in, in common. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that's, that's very rewarding too. Um, um, maybe not rewarding, but it's very reassuring as, as a, a human being, right? That mm -hmm. um, from, from various different um, traditions, um, the, same, um, the same experience or the same uh, fundamental state mm -hmm. can, be, um, can be discovered as being part of our uh, Tradition. I, I see it this way. I, I, I look at it as a couple of ways of looking at it. Let's say there's there's a mountaintop, and you you find a guide. You want to reach the top of the mountain, and there's a guide. I live on the east side of the mountain. You live on the west side of the mountain. We both have a desire to climb to the top of the mountain and see, have, have that perspective from that vantage point. And on your side of the mountain, you've heard of a guide, someone from your, from your village, from your, from your clan, on your side of the tri on your side of the mountain who has been to the top of the mountain and, has, and can show you how to get there. And from, from the west side of the mountain, you take the trail that your guide found to the top. I'm on the east side of the mountain, the same mountain, and I find a guide who has been to the top and he or she knows the way from the east to get to the top of the mountain. But when we reach the top of the mountain, we're in the same place. And so there may be a different, different language and a different, different practice that gets you there, but once you're there, you're, talking, you're in the same place. Or you can liken it to a watering hole and you know, I, I, I access it from, from the east, you access it from the north, and we mm -hmm. come by different mm -hmm. paths, but we're drinking from the same watering hole. Yeah. So. Mm. <coughs> well, um, I'm hoping we can do more of these. We can, yes. Yeah, and um, it's not as if... For posterity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's not as if there was a lot of thought that no, uh, was came right into no. It was I certainly was didn't expect to be talking about basic goodness after thirty years. No, no. And, and so this was very much a we've gotten <laughs> we got together. When was the last time we saw each other? It's been a while. Didn't we have lunch in Little Tokyo with Herb? Yes. Oh, when we saw Herb, when yeah, we uh, saw and that, Herb. that was at yeah. uh, at not True Food. What was the name? Right there, Unlarchmont. Yes. Unlarchmont. Yeah. Right. Um, so to have gotten together after um, this um, amount of time and just hanging out, just saying, 
let's do a video. <laughs> See how it turns I out. I think that's the best way. I mean, it's just uh, sort of spontaneous. Why not? It right? And here we are. Not, not, a whole, nice talk. not a whole lot of planning. And no. Went into this. Um, so I'm hoping that. I'm a little chilly. I know it's getting, <laughs> it's getting cold out here, really. <laughs> I'm cold. Uh, <laughs> so let's see if we can do this again. Okay. Okay? That's great. All right. All right. Good.